All right. Uh, this morning we have the privilege of having another person from the nations. There's a number of missions things going on this summer, and that is the Bordner family uh, that's been supported by Northview for over 15 years. Uh, the Bordners were, or David Bordner was part of Steve Mitchell's youth group back in the day. It goes way back with anyone that's been here for more than five or seven years would, would know the Bordners very well as they've been in and out quite a few times and uh, been supported by us for years. They've been in missions for almost 20 years in the field working there. He's going to talk a lot more about their work. But he's going to come and, and share a bit about what they've been doing, but also talk about how the Lord's been working in his life. We're excited to have them come up. But before they do that, we have a, a, our reading for today. And so, Karen, if you come forward and, and give the scripture reading this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. So my name is Karen. My husband, Ken, and I have lived here lived here about five years. We've been coming here maybe four and a half years, and we've been members three years. So everything all happened pretty quickly, but this is a great place. We feel like we're at home. Everyone is so welcoming and loving, so we love it here. And I, um, I feel honored and privileged to be able to share God's precious word with all of you today. How long, Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a privilege to be here, as always. Um, I traveled this time with just my daughter. She's in the back there. Ayla, can you wave? She's back there. We've been traveling around, visiting different supporters. I've been having her sing in Slovene for everyone, so that's always a hit. People always enjoy hearing her sing more than hearing me talk, but um, she said no to uh, singing this morning for you, so we'll, we'll give her a pass this time. Um, uh, as James shared that uh, you guys have been going on this series of prayer, I felt like it was appropriate that I should pray about what I should talk about, and I really felt like the Lord saying, that he wanted me to speak about kind of my personal journey, some of the health challenges and what God has taught me these last years. So for better, for worse, you're going to leave this morning knowing a lot more about me than maybe uh, the things we're doing in Slovenia. So if you got questions about more of what we do and some of those things, feel free to grab me or get on our update list or things like that. Um, so we read Psalm 13, so you can open to Psalm 13, turn it on, whatever you typically do. Um, and the Psalms are the songbook of the Bible. So whatever emotion you're feeling today, whether it's celebrating, joyful, discouraged, sad, happy, angry, feeling victorious, feeling defeated, there's a psalm that matches that, okay? So the psalms give us the whole range of human emotion and the whole range of God's attributes. And somehow in these songs, they meet in the middle. And like today, Psalm 13, there's this tension where David's, he's wrestling with God, he's feeling these heavy emotions, and then he's also 
moving his heart to this place of praise and worship. And so the Psalms, they don't um, deny human emotion. They validate them. But they also don't let us just sit with emotion and let emotions, you know, drive the ship. They actually drive us back to, to God and who he is and what he's doing. And so, um, so we're going to read and just kind of look at how David processed and wrestled through his difficult circumstance. Um, so, Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord... You've ever driven in a car with little children? You're very familiar with this question. How long? Uh, how much further? Uh, how long? My kids all the time would say this. How long? How long? And I've also noticed that adults say this as well. How long? They don't usually say it with a car ride, um, but they say it when life is hard, when they're in a place of discomfort or struggle. How? How long? How long? And before we jump into this text, uh, if we had like an open mic here, and we just had each of you walk up and answer the question, what are you feeling today? Like, what are you wrestling with? Like, if you could ask God how long for something, what, what would you ask? Something to do with your job, marriage, lack of marriage, health, maybe someone you really care about is struggling, suffering, what would you say? How long? How much longer, God? Maybe the salvation of someone that you've just been praying for for years and years. How long, oh Lord? Like this isn't this isn't right. How long? So David, four times in these first two verses, he says, "How long? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle?" Um. Six years ago, if I had given this sermon today on Psalm 13, I would have felt very uncomfortable with the first four verses. I would have been really comfortable with verses five and six, where he says, oh, yeah, I will praise you. I, okay, when life's hard, we got we to gotta praise him. That's the response. I wouldn't have felt comfortable articulating what David does here. Because he's, like these first two verses, how long? Why are you hiding your face? Where are you? Show up, God. It, it feels like he's, it feels like lack of faith. It feels like the disciples in the boat, you know? Like the waves of life are hitting me and I'm going to drown. And then verses three and four, he says, look on me and answer me. Give light to my eyes. It's like, whoa, David, like, do you really have the position to, you know, you're talking to God here, Yahweh. Don't you know who you're talking to? And it, he's, he's making these petitions and these challenges, and it, it's like, well, are we allowed to do that? Is that, is that faith? Is that, and, and I just, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable with how David sang this song. Um, today, currently, I feel very different about this psalm. This has kind of been like a, a blueprint or a roadmap for me to walk through some of the things I've gone through. So we moved um, to Slovenia. I moved to Slovenia in 2004. So my wife is Slovene, so she didn't move there because uh, she's lived there. And in 2005, we kind of knew something was wrong with my body. I started to have these chronic sinus infections. So for about 13 years, I had about one, at least one sinus infection a month. 
Then by 2010, I started to get sicker. I started to have these fevers and this debilitating fatigue. I would work for five days. I'd be in bed for two days just trying to recover. I'd work for five days, be in bed for two days. And then in 2017, my body just stopped. Just basically, I was bedridden for two years. I had a low-grade fever for those two years trying to figure out what was wrong with my body. So over these 15 years, I'd probably visited, I don't know, several dozen doctors in a dozen countries. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. And basically, my body was just malfunctioning. I had about 12 different body systems that weren't working correctly. And this was the, this was the dark, dark days of my life. And trying to process through what is wrong? Am I going to recover? Um, there were emotional challenges. You know, this, all these places of influence and leadership that I had, now we're just gone. I'm just stuck in a bed. So my identity, who, who am I when I'm just in a bed? My phone's not ringing. Um, you know, wrestling through those, like I'm not a dad to my kids. You know, my kids were at that time, you know, five, six, seven years old. They had no memories of me as a healthy dad. I'd just been sick their whole, their whole life. Um, and then there were spiritual challenges. Like, I know God heals. I've seen him do miracles. And he's not healing me. Like, he could stop this, but he's not. What do I do with that? I know he's good, but this doesn't feel good. I'm praying, and there's just silence. Okay, so I'm, my whole world has just crumbled. So about that time, um, so that was 2017, and then 2020, so my wife, she's amazing. She's, if you remember, she's an incredible singer. She sang up here on stage a few times. Her heart is to, you know, a lot of the worship songs in Slovenia are English songs translated to Slovene. And her heart as a Slovene is to have Slovenes writing worship songs for Slovenes. And so she had led this retreat for, it was a songwriting retreat. She had brought all these key people, led this whole thing. They had written all these amazing songs. And she walks in the front door, you know, literally just right from the retreat. She's exhausted. And our son, our oldest son, had, uh, was heading to a camp. That same, like literally, they ships passing in the night. They just, he went out the door, she walked in the door. So we got on the phone. Uh, my in-laws, so my wife's parents, were, were driving the car. So we're on speakerphone, my wife and I. And my wife is sharing how her retreat went. My son's telling about how excited he is for camp. And all of a sudden, they're on the freeway, and my father-in-law, who's driving, went unconscious at this, on this, you know, on the freeway. And so everyone in the car is screaming, ah, wake up, ah. And so we're, it's like slow motion. We're just watching this, you know, unfold. So by the grace of God, he rolled to a stop, the middle of the freeway, no injuries. So I jump in the car, I go grab my son, and I call my wife and I say, hey, I got our son, everything's okay. And she says, I'm on the floor, um, I'm going to go unconscious, like someone needs to get here, I don't know what's wrong. And so that was like this tipping point for my wife where we didn't realize the toll of, you know, all of my health struggles 
the stress, you know, she's got three small, you know, we have three small kids. She was doing a lot of the parenting because I was, you know, just sick. And then she's still doing ministry on the side. And we didn't realize the toll that that had taken on her body. And so this, this accident, even though she was involved in it, it was this tipping point for her. And so here we are, we, you know, we'll say semi-competent missionaries. We're trying to do good stuff. God's used us. And here we are, like, weak and broken and limited, powerless to just fix what's wrong. God, what are you doing? Why would you allow this? There's, as far as we know, there's about 1,800 Christians in all of Slovenia. Like, we're one of the few people that want to make a difference. Like, why? What a poor use of resources, God. Like, if I was in charge, I would be making very different decisions. He didn't ask me my opinion, apparently. And I would say, you know, growing up in the church, going to Bible school, being in full-time ministry, no one taught me how to walk through struggles like this. No one ever talked about it. And I would spend time with well-intended Christians, and they would hear me struggle. You know, they'd visit me. I couldn't get out of bed, and they'd say, you got to just trust. All things work for the good of those who love him. Like, yeah, I I know that's true, but it that it feels like sandpaper to my soul, not not a healing balm. And I didn't feel like I had the freedom to wrestle with God and go, I have I have questions that I need to work through. And I don't know what to do with them. And I can't I I know I'm gonna end up at the praise, like the end of the psalm. I know I'm gonna get there. I just can't say that right now. It felt dishonest to just jump to that. And so Psalm 13 actually give us a, gives us a roadmap of how we should pray through our pain. And so I want to, if you don't have your Bible open or on, I want to just work through this passage here. So those first two verses, it's just questions. It's only rhetorical questions. He's not waiting for a response. He's just, God, how long? Where are you? Will you? How long will you hide your face from me? And the question behind all these questions is, are you there, God? Are you with me in the storm? That's what he's asking. He's wanting to provoke God, to, to get God to respond to his prayers. And so these these first two verses are lament. It, it's David connecting with the pain, with the emotion, with the struggle. It's raw. It's honest. It's not a short-term thing. It says, every day I have sorrow in my heart. Okay? So this, this long-term wrestling. We don't know what it is. We don't know exactly what's wrong. And then there's a shift, verses 3 and 4. It says, look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Okay, look on me and answer. Give light to my eyes. Okay, what does that mean, give light to my eyes? He's not blind. He's not in a dark room. Okay, he's saying, help me see what's going on. I need divine perspective. I need to see 
what you see in this. So this, these middle verses, this is petition. He's, it's almost like a demand of God. He's saying, this is what I need from you. I need divine perspective. There's emotion. I need your perspective. I need, I need you to strengthen my faith. And then he shifts to praise. He says, but, I love that. That's always a great word. But I will trust in you. I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. I'll sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. So most likely, David, when he says these, he's got, you know, he obviously, Jesus hadn't come. So he's not talking about the cross here. He's talking probably the two things he has in his mind is God's covenant with Abraham, this commitment, I will be your God, you'll be my people. And the Exodus story, that's, that's the go-to for every person when they think about God's salvation in the Old Testament. People in slavery, God sends this messianic figure, Moses, leads them out, brings salvation to people that were oppressed, okay? Um, I want to read a quote here on, oh, let's see if this works, lament. So prayers of lament name what is wrong, what is out of order in God's world, what keeps human beings from thriving in all their creative potential. Simple acts of lament expose those conditions, name them, open them up to grief and anger, and make them visible for remedy. In its complaint, anger and grief, lamentation protest conditions that prevent human thriving, and this resistance finally may prepare the way for divine healing. Okay, so that's what lament is. It's, it's naming what's wrong. It's connecting to the emotion. And then that last line, it, it prepares the way for divine healing. And that's the beauty of lament, is it prepares the way for divine healing. So we have lament, petition, praise. That's how you pray through pain. Lament, petition, praise. Honest, real, connecting with emotions of our heart, but not just staying there, not being a slave to emotions. Petition, God, I need your perspective. What are you doing? (laughs) Help me see what you see. Why are you choosing to act like this? I see my perspective. I need to see yours. But even if you don't answer, I will praise you, right? When, When David moves to praise, has God fixed his situation? Did God resolve all of his problems? Did he answer all his prayers? He didn't do any of that. And yet David is able to move his heart to this place of praise. So that's, that's the beauty of working through, praying through our pain like that. <clears throat> David was able to praise God in the middle of the storm. If we read the Psalms, about a third of the Psalms, so 50 of the 150, are prayers of lament, just like this. Raw, Psalm 88, it's a, it's a dark one. It's a good one, but it's a dark one. It doesn't have the resolution that Psalm 13 does. Um, now, when I first got sick, what, uh, how I tried to pray through my pain is I would do two things. I would grumble to all my friends, anyone who would listen. This is not fair. This is not right. I'm angry. 
I'm scared. And then when I would pray, I would just tell God what I thought he should do. Hey, if, if you're blind, let me tell you how you should act. Okay, that was, that was the extent of how I related with God. You should be doing something different in this time. And what I learned was to pray like David, to move through this process, this progression. Um, looking back, I would say there were two, two things that were the most significant for me in just practically learning how to pray like David in this psalm. The first, uh, I read a book on lament. It's called Dark Skies, Deep Mercy. Mm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It's a great book, even though I don't remember the title. I think Dark Skies, Deep Mercy. And what he talks about is that um, often, just by default, we, we're connected to the the painful emotions we feel, but we, we only talk about them this way, horizontally, with other people. This is so hard, this is wrong, I disagree, I'm mad. And we don't actually articulate those up to God. Like we just, we keep it on a horizontal level. And he says, lament is, is directing those, those honest, raw words up. And what he talks about in this book and what I've also seen practically is that Something happens when I verbalize those painful things up to God is that it actually is a release and it's healing. And then it opens the door for God's voice to come back down. That I'm, I'm talking to him and it allows me to hear from him. Like look at verse one. How long? What? Oh Lord. Do you see who he's talking to? Oh, he's talking to God. Like, he's directing these painful emotions up to God. How long, oh Lord? And so my heart that I was sick, I was scared. God had felt far from me. And just that, it started, my heart started to thaw as I practiced lament. And that voice of God that felt so silent, I started to hear again. It was a slow process, it wasn't magic, but it, it began to change. And then the second thing happened uh, to help me in this process of lament. We had one of our supporters and they wrote us and they said, we're sending you a care package. We're so excited about it. And anytime I hear that, I get excited. Like peanut butter M&Ms, licorice, what could this be? So it comes through customs, the shipping label, I could see that they paid $130 just to mail it to us. So I'm thinking, they spent $130 to mail it to us. How much did they spend on the care package? You know, my imagination is just running wild. Open up the package. And it is, um, it's a bunch of prepackaged communion cups. And not one, not 50, not 100, or 500 prepackaged communion cups. That was it. That was the whole package. Hmm, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> my care package. I'm trying to think of the scenarios of, had I said something, like we can't have communion in Slovenia? Did, did, I, you know, did I articulate that someplace? So I didn't have the heart to, you know, ask that question. So I just wrote, hey, thank you. We feel so blessed. Thanks for thinking of us, which is true. We, we felt loved. They had taking the time to send a package to us. So we put these 500 communion cups on the shelf. And as we were going through these dark days, there was one day where my wife, she said, um, I don't remember what had happened. I'd got some bad test results and I was struggling. And she, she walked up 
with two communion cups. She's like, you know, um, I couldn't, you know, when I was isolated, I couldn't celebrate communion with, like, my church. So she's like, let's, let's do this together. And I'm like, nope, not interested right now, thank you. Um, I just, I kind of want to be mad right now. She's like, let, let's lament together. Like, let's, this, is, this is what communion is, right? It's remembering the death, the pain, the brokenness of the world, what's wrong, and not staying there, that God provided a way. There's a different answer. There's salvation and there's hope and life. So let's, let's use this as kind of the vehicle to work through those, those painful things. <clears throat> and so we lamented. I'm so tired of being sick. I'm so tired of not being able to figure out what's wrong. I'm so tired of being limited. Petition. God, what are you, help me see what you're doing. Like, what are you trying to teach us? <laughs> what am I missing? What are you doing right now? Give me that, that divine perspective. Then taking the bread, the juice. We'll praise you, God. Like, you have our hearts. Like, we're in. Even if this is, even if we're limited forever, like, we'll praise you. You know that, God. And so these communion cups became like this survival strategy for us for these dark days. <laughs> um, so we would, my, my wife uh, started put them in her purse. We put them in the glove box. We took them on vacation. So I have a few pictures of us. These uh, aren't the most flattering pictures, but we're way past uh, that already. So this is us at a coffee shop. You can't see the communion cup, but it's right below those mugs. You can see that I spent some time crying there. Um, so we're, we're taking communion in the coffee shop. That's what normal people do, right? Um, uh, this, is, uh, this is after I started getting better and then my wife was struggling. So I always say it's not a good sermon until you can show a picture of your wife after she's been crying for an hour or two, right? That was sarcasm. Um, so celebrating here. And then this is, um, so this is a, uh, um, a little screenshot from my phone. I hope it's not oversharing, but this is, I was in Barcelona. I just got some more test results back. I was so discouraged. Um, and so this is, I need to not cry here, but um, so this is like just, I, I wasn't going to share this. My wife's like, you need to put that in. Like it's, it shows like this honest, raw, like we're trying to work through, we're trying to process this. Um, so it says, uh, so this is my wife on the left. Wish we could hug each other now and have, a, have communion like we've had in the past. As heartbreaking and difficult this, as this is, my heart knows the truth. He's got us. He's with us in the storm. Um, my part in this hardship is not to take it from you, like not to carry the burden for you. I know both of us wish it was different and suffering will be over. I'll be praying. And then this is my response. Oh man, I love you. Thank you for this gracious faith and hope-filled message. I want to hug, hug you so bad. I'll take communion for both of us um, tonight. I'll take communion tonight for both of us. He does have us. I believe he will restore us. I love you with all my heart. Okay, so you see us, we're like, we're work. it's like Psalm 13 here. We're like working through, we're working through those hard things. We're trying to process, make sense of them. We're not just staying in the hard, moving each other and ending at this place of trust and hope. And so these these little prepackaged communion cups actually like saved us <laughs> and not the cup, but what it meant. And that's Jesus. Yeah. 
So Psalm 13 gives us instruction, excuse me, on how to pray through our pain. How to pray through small pain. My boss, it's just, it's not fair the way I'm being treated. Okay, this, this teaches us how to work through that, to name it, talk to God about it, ask God for divine perspective, and then move on. And it teaches us how to, to navigate like the most painful things in life. Uh, this past month, we did an evangelistic outreach. Um, so I love working with youth. So we live in a city with 25,000. There's a handful of Christian kids in the whole city. And so part of our heart is to go, man, we want to change this whole city. And we feel like some of the most strategic stuff is to just reach these young people, which then reaches their parents. And so we had a team from the States come out led this awesome camp, 45 little young, full of too much energy, kids running around. And uh, the team that came, they came from Tennessee. So we had this awesome camp. God did awesome stuff. And I was sitting with the team leaders after camp, and they're from Tennessee. And their niece was actually one of the ones that was killed in one of the school shootings in the spring. So we're sitting there. We've just seen God do all this stuff, and then we're processing this unimaginable evil that they've walked through. So if someone, sit, if someone was sitting in front of you saying, my niece was murdered, what would you say? Well, how would you respond? I'm sitting there listening. What I did not say was, God works all things for the good. You got to trust, you know, have faith. Let's jump to Psalm 13, verse 5 and 6. You know, you got to trust and praise. He's been good. So I spent, what I did do, whether it was the best or not, I, I spent time, I just asked a bunch of questions, and I, like verses 1 and 2, I wanted to know where's her heart at? Like, how, what's she thinking? What's she feeling? How has this affected you and God? She said, I'm, I'm afraid that God's going to take something else that I really care about. Okay. My follow-up question was, have you told him that? Like, have you talked to him about that? Are you just keeping that to yourself? Or have you articulated that up? Uh, we talked about trauma resources. I have a bunch of teammates that are, you know, still living in the Ukraine. You know, front doors being blown off, youth group kids on the front lines, just these unimaginable things. So we talked about trauma resources that, that I would recommend. And then I, my one advice, I said, you have to get good at lamenting. You have to learn how to do this. Like, this has got to be a part of your life. And I didn't, um, I didn't get to choose whether I walk through this road of suffering or not. My friend didn't get to choose that. Um, but I do get to choose how I walk through it. Uh, I have a choice in that. I would like it to be different, but that's not what God, God allowed this storm. And so I get to choose, do I paddle like the disciples, panicking? Or, or do I turn to Jesus? Say, you're Lord of all. You have the power to calm the storm if you want. I'm going to go to you. So I get to choose how I respond. And I found that suffering is this invitation to a deeper surrender. I don't have to 
I don't have to surrender, but it's this invitation to do that. And my wife and I, we, we chose to accept that surrender, not because God had resolved all of our health situation, not because he had answered my prayers, not because he had acted the way I thought he should act. We surrendered because he's God and we're not. That's, that's why we surrendered. He's God and we're not. And when I was forced to confront my powerlessness, that was the moment when I experienced the power of the Spirit. And I wish those two didn't go together, but they do. (laughs) My powerlessness and his power. The disciples in the boat, they're powerless to stop the storm. He has the power. And so I wish that God would have just blessed me and blessed my ministry and fruitful. That would have been awesome. And he by his grace, had a different agenda for me. And as I, you know, walking through suffering, uh, now suffering's everywhere. Every conversation, you know, when we've been back in the States, I've talked more about suffering to people than any other topic. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I read scripture. It's everywhere. Like what hero in the Bible didn't have suffering? Like they all have these like, difficult, challenging, painful things that they walk through. And they're having to wrestle with God. Abraham, uh, how, ask me with all these children, I don't have kids. He's wrestling through that. Reading missionary biographies. They're all suffering. Like that's what makes them great. You're in the middle and you're like, how is, this is horrible. What is God going to do? Well, it's great to read a book when you can just flip to the next chapter and see years of struggle that just get resolved in a few pages. It's difficult when you're in the middle of that lack, you know, have that lack of resolution. And I also started noticing my heroes of faith who are still alive, like the people that I look up to spiritually, they all have walked through suffering. They've walked this road of Psalm 13. They've been through hard stuff. They've moved through it and grown closer and more intimate, more full of faith. God's character has grown. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this why did I think my life would go smooth? <laughs> why, why, did I, why did I expect that? This, this should be the norm for us to just allow God to change our character and move us through that. So I love how this psalm ends, but I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good. I thought that was me. And so... Um, Two months ago in May, um, Hillsong United was coming through Europe, and they asked my wife to be one of the opening acts for their concert down in Croatia. So this is a picture of where they performed. Not too bad of a place. So this is an old Roman Colosseum, 2,000 years old. And so um, just right on the water there. So this is my wife up on stage singing. So there's about 8,000 people. Uh, This is a picture. You can see this is my kids and some of the kids that have accepted Christ through relationship with my kids. So we're just sitting there worshiping, and I'm, um, I'm sitting in my seat, and I'm, I'm just, I'm aware of the road that we've been on, the heavy, the dark, the challenging, and I'm also sitting in a Roman Colosseum. Do you know what these were used for 2,000 years ago? Okay. My brothers and sisters murdered for their faith. Okay, I'm literally like, on the ground where they were killed. 
Okay, so I'm, I'm feeling the brokenness. This isn't right what happened, God. And then my heart is just moved. Again, I'm just walking. I'm living Psalm 13 out. I'm just moving to this place of like, all I can do is worship. Just 8,000 people singing, my wife up on stage. Just, there's only one option, and that is to just tell God how good he's been. Um, my wife, she was obviously singing in Slovene, and she, um, she was singing the song, How He Loves Me. These are the lyrics, uh, just part of the lyrics. When all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. Okay, so it's not, it's not no afflictions. It's my afflictions, but they're eclipsed by God's glory. Okay, do you see that? It's Psalm 13 again. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves me. Okay, that's Psalm 13 right here, verses 5 and 6. Oh, I have these struggles, these pains. But I will sing. You have been good to me. So today, we get the privilege of having communion together. It's always a joy for me to be able to do this. Um, Jesus, uh, the night he was betrayed, he also worked through these painful emotions. He had to pray, just like David, through these difficult things. So just listen, here's his lament. This is um, uh, Matthew 26, uh, uh, 38. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Okay? Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is very aware of the challenging emotions he's feeling. He's not denying his emotions. He's very in tune with them. Okay, so he's got his lament. And then he says, so this is his petition. Verse 39. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Okay? He's, he's, it's almost like a demand. God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And then he moves to this place of trust and obedience, yet not my will, but yours. Okay? Jesus, he's praying through pain. He's praying through difficult stuff. Three times, it says three times he had to pray through this. He's working through it. We know that Christ, he lived the perfect life that we should have lived. He died the the horrible death that we deserve to die. His life is the greatest gift to all of us, love and sacrifice. So what I want to invite you to do right now is we're just going to sit in silence for a few minutes, and I just want you to reflect on what we've talked about. If your heart, if you came in today, you're just just full of praise, encouragement. Man, just thank God for that. Just praise him, okay? He's worthy of our praise. And if you came in today with a heavy heart, man, just start practicing this. Start practicing what we've talked about. Lament, petition, praise. And just practice working your heart through that. Talk to him, okay? Remember what he did, okay? And then I'll gather you in just a minute or two, and then we'll um, take the bread and the, the juice together, okay?
on the night Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. When I first moved to Slovenia, I recently read some of my journals, and I had prayed Paul's words, I want to know Christ and him crucified. Well, I'm here to tell you that he answered that prayer. Not how I thought he would. I'm not sure what I was really expecting when I prayed that prayer. But he answered it. I remember praying, oh, less of me, more of you. He's answered that one too. Okay? been really faithful to answer that. He's turning our tragedy into treasure. He's not doing it by answering each one of our prayers the way we would like it done in our time frame. But he's doing it by showing us that we're not alone, that he's with, with us in the storm. And just like David, David said, where are you? God, have you forgotten me? God's answered that question. He's with us in the storm. You know, when I got this care package, I wanted a bunch of snacks and presents. And I got the greatest gift of all. Jesus Christ and him crucified. The greatest gift of all. And so, um, as you guys leave today, um, I'm going to have my parents and my, my daughter out by the doors, and I want them to give you two things. One, uh, prayer cards of ours so you can stick it someplace so you remember to pray for my family because Slovenia needs prayer, our family needs prayer, so we'd love prayer. And then the second thing is um, I got you guys a great gift that you all get to take home with you. You want to know what it is? You all get to take home a prepackaged <laughs> communion cup. Okay? Okay. Um, so I'd encourage you, don't, uh, I mean, you could take it as communion if you want, but I'd love for it to be a symbol. I have one of these sitting on my desk. We still have them in our glove box. They're still in my wife's purse. Um, but I have it as a reminder of, of this talk, and not necessarily this talk, but of, man, life is hard. Suffering is everywhere. We need to learn to learn to lament, work through our pain, pray through our pain, and for us, like we need that in the small things, big things. And then everyone around us, believer or non-believer, are going to experience suffering and pain. And they're going to need someone to walk with them and to be Christ with them. And so this is a reminder of how to walk with people as they go through that road. Okay? Awesome. And uh, David, he had kind of a heavy psalm. And then he ended with praying about how good I will sing because you've been good to me. And so we've had a sermon on lament, not the most joyful of sermons. Um, It's still an important one. So it's appropriate that we end singing about how good God is. So let's stand and let's sing.